1: And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the And Then There Were Four Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast.
0: All right, so I assume, I, I don't like to assume, but I'm going to, that you are referring to the National Football League. It could be any it could be fantasy something, <laughs> but I'm going to assume that you are referring to 49ers and Eagles, Bengals, and, and can I say chefs and great googly mogly because I love that commercial. You know, there will always be the Kansas City Chefs me because I, it I
1: looks I, great with the chefs. The great
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, your final four. I mean, any surprise. I know you're a Jaguars fan, I'm sorry. You were in Kansas City to take it in in person. You're one of those. Yeah, you, you <laughs> did you get any good barbecue? Uh, we ate a lot of
1: good barbecue. I ate more meat in the past 48 hours than I've probably eaten in, in the
0: past. I should. Two, can I, I tell months. our listeners yeah. that you I, you like I? Are, what's the right word? We're careful with our money and frugal. Uh-huh. And Midtown yep, Manhattan, you go spend a lot of money. I have found a vegetable ramen place that I'm a big fan of. So I feel like psychosomatically, it's keeping yep. me healthy. My, my vegetables, <laughs> whenever Ten bucks for a big thing of ramen. I don't think it's outrageous, but you go and get your, like your slaw every day. <laughs> like I feel it's like feeding the rabbit.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I eat very healthy uh, at times just so that when I, when I do trips like this, I can, uh, I can guilt-free eat, uh, <laughs> huge, huge steaks and burnt ends and, and pulled pork and all the other things that Kansas city has to offer. It was a tough weekend, obviously Scott for Jaguars fans. It was, it was a blast, uh, to, to be there. Um, and yeah, it's a, it, it, as I said on the show the other day. I, it, it, it's fun for me. I've lost kind of all this, this fandom in my life except yep. for the Jaguars, and it is fun for me. And it's a good reminder, I think, working in this industry, it's a reminder to kind of understand uh, the, the, the way that, that 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 diehard and hardcore fans feel about their sports. So I yeah, wrote a column all, a years weekend.
0: ago, and I stick by it because especially now all these teams are for sale, right? You have all these clubs and, oh, is Jeff Bezos going to buy the Commanders and this and that? But uh, one of my favorite columns years ago, I was talking to Robert Kraft when they were in the Super Bowl and there were just like two or three of us around, Robert sitting in the stands, and he got to reminiscing about his days as a season ticket holder Mm, in Foxborough. And I I remember the the quote because I used it in the headline. He was like, I had a freezing tush. You know, because they were metal yeah, bleacher And I said, hey, the, 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 the test of a true fan. I, I'm like, Bob, do you remember your section row and seat? And boom, 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 rattled it off. Yeah, And it occurred to me, and by all means and by every measure, I think most people would say the Crafts are excellent stewards of the franchise, right? So like that guy, one of the fans was in Vegas and they're in his face yelling. And what does he do? He reaches out and he brings them in. Yeah. He gets it, right? He, kind of, he and Jonathan get it. And I wrote the column saying, you know what? I think that prospective owners should have to spend at least one season as a season ticket holder. Hmm. Sitting in the elements, not up in the suite. That, so they kind of, I say kind of. At least understand the mentality, like, and you have to drive. You know, you have to park in the in the lot. There's no VIP. There's no. You have to be a season ticket holder for (laughs) you wait in the bathroom line. You know, pay for your for your crappy hot dog. Exactly one season as a season ticket holder in the bowl with the folk before you can buy a franchise, and obviously not going to happen. But you may have just created another
1: undercover boss spinoff.
0: The yeah, owner, that, well, the
1: owner it, goes undercover fan, right? The owner has to
0: has to sit in the bleacher seats for for for
1: eight home games and see how he
0: uh see what his experience is like. Absolutely. Hey, listen, if you're you know you're Stephen Ross and you are forced to sit on the sunny side of the stadium, and you know, oops, I forgot my hat today, and you leave and you're sunburned and you can't see. That's not an enjoyable experience. I mean, they I think I believe the Dolphins charge more for the shady side of the field. I think that's right. Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. At least he understands there's a difference. But yeah, I think you should uh, you know, know the customer, know the little things that matter and what can be improved. If you don't do it, you're just relying on other people to tell you. You should see it, feel it, touch it, smell it, taste it for yourself before you make that decision. But anyway, I, we digress as I often do. 49ers, Eagles, Bengals, Chiefs, big name quarterbacks, which is great. Also, not, not a big name quarterback in San Francisco, <laughs> but maybe the quarterback with the best story because Mr. Irrelevant has become among the most relevant athletes in the world.
1: Pretty remarkable what uh, what Brock Purdy has done in, in, in Kansas City, and, and not just him, but but the way the team was structured. It's a great mix here, Scott, of some of the most valuable clubs in the NFL, looking at the 49ers, some of the least valuable clubs in the NFL, looking at the Bengals, uh, a, a lot of young, talented quarterbacks. I think Pat Mahomes at 27 is the oldest quarterback left, and, and we talked about Last
0: week, but the dreaded ja- high ankle sprain. The dreaded mm. high ankle sprain.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, there were some Jaguars fans that were very excited in the uh, <laughs> the second quarter there when uh, when it looked like Mahomes might not uh, might not play again. Uh, definitely feels like uh, th- th- these are four of the best NFL teams uh, of the year, and I think a really two really intriguing matchups uh, for the uh, for the conference finals.
0: Uh, I would think looking forward to the Super Bowl. I would think. You want Mahomes and the Chiefs. If, like, again, the TVs, the sponsors, the, the all that. Mahomes is one of the biggest names in the NFL. And I don't think the NFC side matters a lick. Can't go wrong. It, it yep. doesn't matter. Yeah, you got, you got big markets. You, you've got brand names. You've got valuable clubs, high-profile, everything. I, I don't think it matters either way.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I think that's right. And, and, and the Chiefs <laughs> don't want to throw out the dynasty word lightly. I think this is their fifth straight AFC championship. Um, they, they are, I think, very quickly approaching that, that New England Patriots, Belichick, Brady era level of just expecting the team to be here in and out almost every single year.
0: As you know, I was in hockey rinks all weekend. Well, I say in. And how can this happen, by the way? We had this kind of round robin thing. We had two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. I show up at the rink. It's an outdoor rink. Nobody <laughs> told us. Yeah, I'm dressed for. I mean, very, I know rinks remarkable. are cold, so I had my jacket. You know, normal. Yeah, but I needed an extra sweatshirt, gloves, hat, boots. Uh, outdoory rink. I'm like, well, come on, everybody, can we little communication? Did but you get it any snow? Funny. What's that? Did you get any snow? Uh, no, we did not get any okay. snow except what was produced, you know, on the stops on the ice and 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 shot up in people's faces. Um, but I will tell you again, I didn't watch any of the football, but. My sort of journalist eye and ear was great because obviously I had a whole bunch of Eagle fan because we were playing in New Haven. It was the Philadelphia Hockey Club came up. So tons of Eagles fans there um, to watch them talking about it. Like every conversation was about the football, every, yeah. every conversation. And then it was, how are we going to watch it on the drive home? because they finished up and you know, telling kids to hurry up and get dressed after the game so they can catch the fourth quarter. Are uh, we going to watch it on the phone? Fun- I mean, really good to be immersed in the fandom of it all, in the in the sports radio, WIP, if I may. What's his name down there? Um, uh, Howard Eskin kind of <laughs> chat of what's going on in Philadelphia sports, and I had my fill of it, and it was great to hear and see and watch. And invariably, I, people can't, they just cannot understand what we do, Eben, yeah. because you know, they know that we work in sports or whatever. So I got a group of dads and they started asking me, what do you think about blah, blah, blah? I'm like, guys, I can't name two players on the Eagles. <laughs> and they were flummoxed, gobsmacked, if you will. Like, what, really? What are you talking about? Yeah, no, Jalen Hurt. Okay, Jalen Hurt. Past that. I'm like, I don't know. Harold Carmichael? Ron Jaworski? I, don't, I have no idea who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. And they have absolutely no idea. How I cannot care at all. <laughs>
1: one one thing that was definitely on the mind of, of 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 all types of NFL fans this week was the snow. It snowed uh during the Jaguars let Chiefs it game. Snow, it it snow, it the game, it obviously um, snowed during the Bills. Bengals game. Didn't snow in Atlanta. did not snow in Atlanta. A lot of conversation around the, the, the if the Bills had beaten the, the Bengals, the Chiefs beat the Jaguars, that AFC championship game would have been in a neutral site because of the what happened at the end of the season with, with, with that game being canceled because of DeMar Hamlin's injury. Uh, and there's been talk uh, reportedly at the NFL level about making the championship games neutral site at all times, most likely Scott in, in warm weather places. Um, and, and it seemed like at least on my Twitter feed, there was a and, and people I talked to a whole lot of pushback from NFL fans who love the idea of, uh, of exactly what we saw this weekend home games in cold places. The idea of fans and players in the snow losing all of that losing kind of the home environment that a lot of these i was at arrowhead it was amazing i'm sure being at a bill's home game in the playoffs is also amazing losing some of the the the, the, the fan environment that's cultivated what, what do you make of of this idea obviously there's some interesting financials at play but the idea that the nfl could be at some point soon shifting towards neutral site championship games in addition to the neutral site super bowl obviously
0: all right, it's time for my admission, to Ebenovi Williams. I really wasn't listening to you <laughs> be, be, because once you said you, you said home games in cold places. Yeah, Garth Brooks was oh, going gosh. through my head. Oh no! You, well, like, you know, friends in low places. I do. Course. I know exactly. So, like, the, <laughs> exactly the song where you're going. for this is going to be "I Got Home Games in Cold places. <laughs> like, but that, I, you know, my brain does not work well. This is what was going... I, you say something like that, that <laughs> pops into my head, and it dominates for the next 30 seconds, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to say it. Why not? I'm, I'm going to... But from the sports business perspective, let's go way back. Hello, Mr. Jim Steig. I hope you're listening. Um, you know, the, kind of the godfather of the Super Bowl and the big event. What have we said forever? What is the NFL a master of? No new inventory. Nothing new but creating new revenue opportunities from the existing. Great. If they see 50,000 seats were sold and people want to go and they can create two more mini-event, mini-Super Bowls where they can offer partners hospitality and they can have concerts and expand sort of the Super Bowl aura, like concentric circles, the the little little red one on the dartboards, the Super Bowl. But I can add a concentric circle of opportunity to generate revenue for not only ourselves but our partners. They're gonna take that seriously, and and all the, all the moaning and the and the, oh, you're losing a home game from the, the what did we just say about you know John Q fan? First of all, many will go. Yeah, like who do you think's going? It's not people like ah, oh, I'm kind of kind of uh, neutral about this but sure it'd be a fun little yeah you get some of that but you put this game in Las Vegas you put this game in Atlanta you put this game in uh, um dare I say they don't have a team San Diego or LA yeah it's another festival like opportunity and the NFL is going to take a good look at it because what are they what are they at like 20 billion right 20 billion in revenue Roger wanted 25 by 20 was it 25
1: yeah 25 or 27 something all like right that,
0: yeah. well if you don't think in the next 2 3 years the NFL can't figure out a way to generate another 5 billion dollars in revenue then you don't know jack about the NFL
1: yeah for people who are listening to this and wondering kind of what the economics look like for home teams in the playoffs it's a little bit different than it is in other leagues. The NFL more or less takes all of the ticket sale revenue from playoff games and distributes that in in the way that it distributes all of its national revenue, like like media rights and all that. So, hosting a playoff game, let's say the Buffalo Bills this weekend, the, all the ticket sales essentially go right to the league. The Buffalo Bills make a little bit in parking, a little bit in concessions. Let's call that one, two, three million dollars. Much of the most of the merchandise sales around the game end up in the in the league share as well outside of anything sold just on on premises at a a fan shop at the venue itself so the the difference between uh the bills hosting an afc championship game or the bills traveling to atlanta to play in an afc championship game is really not that different from the team's individual Uh, can i put you on the spot for a second evan Uh
0: is that true of of your premium stuff too your clubs your suites
1: yeah, so I think premiums are maybe a little bit different, but but a the, vast, share the vast the majority, I think the, the clubs okay. keep a little bit of that. But you're right on the and, and just to, for reference, the the NBA I believe takes 25% of playoff uh, ticket sales from their clubs, and, and the NHL takes 35%. So it's very different in other leagues where hosting playoff games in those two leagues really Still big fills deal, the coffers, yeah. really big deal financially for those teams. NFL not so much. And I think you're right. If you were to do a big event, uh, a, let's call it AFC championship game, more like a little Super Bowl, there, there'd be a lot more tickets would probably be more expensive. There'd be a lot more hospitality, as you're mentioning, a lot more corporate involvement. Sponsor
0: value goes way up.
1: You could maybe make an argument that it's more lucrative financially in the end for a team to be playing in a neutral site uh, championship game just because of the revenue sharing that than maybe it is to, to, to be hosting one of those games, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, so I think economically for the league, it's a little bit different than other leagues because th- there's no real massive revenue driver for a team to be hosting a, a big playoff game in-, in the way that it is, again, in other sports.
0: I'm okay if you, uh, you know, send the email out saying season ticket holders of the, of the participating teams get first crack at buying some seats. Okay. But do you, which name for me, if you will, which NFL owner? Yep. Ellipse, if any, Ellipse. Uh, are are protesting and saying, but 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 we're losing a home game for my fans, my fans. What about my fans?
1: Yeah, I think it's the honestly. I think that not. I, think, I don't think they're making that argument. I think it's the cold weather teams that are probably the ones who are like, we have an advantage, big advantage, here. Big absolutely. Advantage. Yeah, if if Lambeau Field never hosted an, a, an NFC Championship game again because they were being played in in San Diego or Vegas or Phoenix. Yeah, that, that, that's a huge disadvantage uh, for, for, for those teams. So
0: to a degree, I think... That yeah, but the, you're the, making it about advantage. See, me, the way my brain works, I would just lament the fact that I'll never see Tom Coughlin's face as frosted <laughs> as it was. Like that, that, that is what the NFL is made of. To see that chapped face matters. That's some great theater right there. And now he's going to be indoors? Come on. I don't
1: know if you saw this, but uh, the, the the Lions in their last game, their, their coach's name is uh, is escaping me right now. But he had his red nose just like Tom Coughlin. I saw someone tweet that he went to the Tom Coughlin School <laughs> of Frostbite Management.
0: And that matters <laughs> when you have lore, <laughs> stories passed down like that. When you have John Facenda telling me, you know, that he had to put the, the frozen tundra all over yeah. his cheeks. <laughs> yeah, that matters. That's what the popularity of the NFL is built on. Do you get the same if you're playing indoors? You know, uh, I don't think so. I
1: think maybe not. So it'll be really interesting to see if and when the NFL makes a decision on that. If if we are getting to the end of teams hosting AFC championship games, NFC championship games, or if, or if the public push uh, ends up outweighing what seems like maybe a little bit of a min- monetary advantage to doing them at neutral sites.
0: Do we know was that game going to be Saturday or Sunday? Do we know?
1: I do. not remember. No.
0: All right, because then you know you you got to say Chick Fil A would have been upset. The Chick Fil A in Mercedes Benz Stadium not open on Sunday. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, but they're they're lobbying for the Saturday game. They're used
1: to it at this point. I think. Yeah. uh, I think they're both on Sunday. Now that I think about it. Oh well, there you have it. So they would have
0: been closed. All right. Now speaking of food, do you see why I made that transition. Good. Good. You see why I made that transition. There's there's a method to the madness, Novi Williams. You're like, what the hell is he talking about, Chick Fil A? (laughs) Because Jim Grant wrote a great story. I don't know how many people read it, but if you didn't, you should go check it out about the battle among NFL players. Yes, our focus is on the field, but there is a big, big battle that takes place on the grocery store shelves. And man, if you're just not really paying attention, I know you know about the Reggie bar in the year, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to r- run off some products that if you're not in a particular area, these I'm sure these are not like national chains all the time. They're in your local grocers, but you know they cover different ones. But how about, did you know Josh Allen had coffee? I did, I did not. not. No. Did you know Yarm or Yager had peanut butter? <laughs> I did not, did not. Know that Ed no. McCaffrey, Rocky Mountain Mustard. <laughs> didn't know. Michael Peck pickles. Michael Peck pickles. Michael Peck I have pickles. Not Michael paid for the time. Islanders, too. So yeah. I didn't know he had a, had a pickle thing, but whatever. Probably in, in Buffalo. Stefan Diggs, 14 hot sauce. No idea. Right? So this is this is like the battle of who sells what. And do you want the quick backstory on it? Yeah, go ahead. All right. There's a guy named Ty Ballou. All right. He, he started a company called PLB. But why he started, it's very interesting. He moved to Pittsburgh as the young head of sales for the Clark Bar. Remember the Clark Bar? Great. Sales weren't going too well. So one of the things he did, uh, sales were down, but Pittsburgh Penguins were playing really well. That was the stuff of Mario Lemieux back in the day. You know, Everybody loved the Penguins. So he said, why don't I try and license the Penguins logo and I'll slap it on the Clark Bar. That's what he did. Guess what? 100,000 sales. Yep. And he said, you know what? I'm on to something here. If I just connect with the professional teams, and by extension, why not athletes, I think there's something there. So we started a company uh, called PLB uh, Sports and Entertainment, and the whole idea is connecting with athletes to come up with products that you put on the shelves, and uh, the fan affinity for them and the team and sports in general say, let me try Peck's Pickles.
1: It, it, it's, a, it's such an interesting one from a, from a financial standpoint, Scott, because it's, it, it's pretty low risk here. Right. Like it, yeah. it's a licensing deal really at the end of it. And if it, if it creates some sort of fan affinity that didn't exist for the non licensed product, then, uh, th- then, then maybe you have something there. And, and it, 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 this is really, it, it's a hot topic right now in college sports where a lot of athletic directors and universities are realizing that there's a whole consumables option out there for licensing that, that, that really hasn't been explored before. And I'll, I'll tell you a quick story that's that I still remember a couple of years ago, talking to Mario Mocha, who's the athletic director at New Mexico State, they put out a, I think they were one of the first, uh, athletic departments to have their own beer. It was the pistol Pete 1888 ale. Um, and in their second year, I think the licensing was, I, I believe the numbers here, right? $30,000, which he said would have been just licensing alone would have been the third most, most profitable sport he had from a ticket sales standpoint. So, just slapping their name on licensing a New Mexico State Aggies beer, he essentially created outside of football and men's basketball the third most valuable revenue line for his, from a ticket sale standpoint, from his, for, for, from his athletic department. And, and the two things that he said, and I think they're both really interesting about why he loves consumables one being that people are buying them anyway. Yep. So, everybody needs, everybody's eating pic- p- peanut butter, people want pickles, people want hot sauce, they're buying them anyway. So it's not as though you're trying to convince someone to, to to buy something they don't need. You're kind of slipping into the thing that they're getting anyway. And two is that they always need more of them. If I buy a Jersey, that could be the Jersey I own for the, for the rest of my life. If I buy a hat, I own a, I own a hat now and, and I don't need another hat tomorrow. But if I buy a bottle of wine or I buy a six pack of beer, I could be back in the market in a matter of days or weeks looking for another wine or another. Or some of the of people we know, minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the, the two things that he always said was that, one, again, you're, 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 you're putting it in, in places that people are buying anyway. And then two, there, there's no limit on people are not going to buy unlimited T-shirts, but people very well could just keep buying the beer that they like because because it has the logo on it. So it, it those two things really interesting
0: it would take some sort of affinity and connection for me to abandon the McElhaney company and Tabasco because that's, that's a dominant brand. Yeah. But if there's a hot sauce from my local favorite guy, yeah, I'll give it a shot. How much different can it possibly be? Totally. But can you guess what was, I, by the way, pay total attention. You, you had me there. Cause you're like, Oh, a story. You got a little sashnick on me there. When you're like, let me tell you a story <laughs> about something. I remember and totally pertinent. Right on point. I love it. But there was one point that got me, again, my, my brain spinning in a little bit of tangent oh, no. An obvious question. <laughs> New Mexico State had something called Pistol Pete.
1: Yeah, I think, the, I think the, the, the mascot is Pistol Pete, I believe. Okay,
0: but to the general sports fan, me, did not go to New Mexico State. I believe they play <laughs> in the pit. Is that right? Uh you, that's, the New, Me- team? that's the pit, New Mexico. I believe I think. or New Mexico's. Oh, I think pit? that's
1: New Mexico. All yeah. right.
0: Close enough. Not yeah. <laughs> bad. Not great, but not bad. But to the general sports band, you say pistol Pete. What comes to mind? Uh, Maravich, right? Pete Maravich. Yeah. Pete Maravich went to LSU. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's hyper local, which is I guess is what you're going for anyway. But if you're if you're trying to bring if you want incredible success local, like, <laughs> And then you want to somehow branch out and get this thing all around the world in, in your Costcos, or the, you know, I don't think going Pistol Pete unless you then call the Maravich, you know, uh, family and be like, hey, can we license Pistol Pete and we get them both, right?
1: Yeah, I think Pistol Pete means something a little different in, in Las Cruces, New Mexico, than it does in uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That's for sure.
0: All right, well, th- but that's what went through my head. Thank you for educating totally. me and letting me know yeah. the mascot is Pistol Pete. There you go. Uh, and another great story. We'll close with this: you, the Timbers and the Thorns in Portland. Um, you know, Merritt Paulson is selling the Thorns, and you know they were ahead as as a NWSL organization because of all this infrastructure. They had great infrastructure; everything was looped in with the Timbers, also one of the premier uh, MLS teams. Now, however, when the Thorns are being sold, and people might not think of this, there's a lot of infrastructure that's going the way of the dodo. So, you tell me exactly the kind of stuff we're talking about, where the new owner coming in might not have the kind of setup that he or she thinks uh, of as a professional sports team would have.
1: Emily Karen wrote this story uh, on Monday at at Sportico, and I'd recommend people read it because it is a really interesting and nuanced look at uh, what we've seen. And and, and this is not unique just to the Thorns. There's a lot of NWSL teams and, 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 and WNBA teams as well, that that use the infrastructure of the uh, of the bigger, larger men's team that the owners also own, um, and we're talking about general counsel, finance staff, ticket sales, corporate partners, marketing. Uh, PR media
0: if th- I'm there's Joe so Ryan, much I own the Brooklyn Nets it sure makes sure for the New York Liberty to use utilize and lean and, on all of that
1: and, and certainly when the Liberty were with were with MSG it was it was it was the same way so yeah I think the, the the big question that I know a lot of people are asking is okay the Thorns are for sale but but what actually is for sale right so it's IP it's player contracts and players it's it's your technical staff but it's very unclear I think for a lot of people who are interested in the Thorns what what comes over? Do I need to suddenly hire immediately a, a whole staff to do all these things? Am I going to be able to work out some deal with the timbers, at least partially, so I can continue to use a lot of those staffers until I, I bulk mine up? And and Scott, the, the other big part of this equation, maybe the biggest, is the home venue, right? The Providence Park where the, the thorns and timbers play. It's owned by the county, but it's controlled and operated by Merritt Paulson and and Hank Paulson's company, Peregrine Sports. um, Are are they going to be a a, a tenant essentially to, to the thorns or or to the timbers, to an ownership group that the league has decided is not, essentially should not be owning this team moving forward. There's, I know there's a big group out there led by Melanie strong. She's a former Nike executive, a big group looking to buy the Timbers who has said outright that I believe they've said outright, they don't want to play in a place that, that Merritt Paulson controls, right? They want a clean break from the, the previous ownership and to have this, this thing start anew. So a lot of really interesting nuance there in terms of you know when you buy the, the Portland Thorns, what exactly are you getting? And how does that change the economics of how you think about how valuable this team is if so much of the benefit that they were getting financially and operationally from, from being part of this larger organization is disappearing the minute that, that Hank and Merritt Paulson sell the team?
0: Yep, and you see this in other sports and you may not think about it, but realize that, let's say TD Garden, in Boston, yep, owned by Jeremy Jacobs, who owns the Bruins. So the Celtics are really just a tenant, and it, I believe the interior bowl, top and bottom, is all like the yellow gold seats, which are the colors of the Bruins. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not Celtics. They got to cover them up and make and make it different. So these these things matter. If what do we talk about the triad? We talk about MSG. You want to have the team. You want to have the venue. You want to have the network. So it's it's difficult. What am I getting? All right, I have this team, but do I have to hire like ADP to do payroll, human resources? Do I need to hire the executive? Like, what, what am I getting here? And gonna, can I lean on them for a while? Get a little uh, in, a, in, a, in a real estate transaction, you have what's called a leaseback, Yep. Right. Can I lease back some of the infrastructure for a year until I? And by the way, what about just from a marketing perspective? There's great synergies between Timbers fans and Thorns fans. Do I get those emails? I data, yeah, it's a yeah. Gr- do it's I a get the data t- of the fans, and the, yeah, or do I have to build up my whole data collection company? It's so, a great question. Fascinating, the, story. fascinating the we- story. The
1: website, right? The 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 Thorns website lives under the Timbers website as part of that domain, right? How do you extricate those? Someone told me uh, a few months ago that that there were essentially nobody that had a Thorns email address that almost everybody associated mm-hmm. with the team had a Timbers email address. And, and, and we saw a couple weeks ago when the NWSL handed out kind of the final punishment around uh, the joint investigation that it did alongside its players, some of the, 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 uh, the punishment for some of these clubs was that essentially they needed to bulk up their team-specific staff. Right was to was was to start kind of curbing or, or making some of these teams stand on their own in a lot of these in, in a lot of these different ways. So again, very much not unique to the Timber situation, but because the, the 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 thorns are on the market right now, and because of the way they have historically just so so kind of inextricably linked these two teams, it does create alongside the 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 uncertainty about how much involvement the Paulsons just should have. In NWSL, at all given the, the the way in which the circumstances surrounding this sale. I think it does create a really interesting dynamic in Portland.
0: Can I sum it up succinctly and let me know if it's okay with you? Um, it makes perfect sense until it doesn't make perfect, perfect sense. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a good way
0: to put it, yeah. All right, he is Eben Novi-Williams on the Twitter, Novi underscore Williams. I'm Scott Soschnick on Twitter, at Soschnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. I don't know if you have a trumpet, a music, or whatever today, but uh, you know, I had one of my little tangent things there. Our digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sporticast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network.